Are you guys doing all right? Good. Uh, I want to welcome everyone, all of our friends over in the video cafe and all of our church family who watches online. I want to welcome you as well. We're in the second week of our series, A Christmas Story. Now, we're not just talking about the Christmas story. We're talking about every one of your unique stories during this holiday season. And last week, we saw that in any story, there are three aspects. There's a personal aspect, social, and a structural aspect. And so the personal part is the expectations inside of us, how we imagine things will go for ourselves. The social aspect is the expectation for the people and the things that we directly interact with. And the structural piece is our expectations or how we assume that the world around us should work. And so last week we focused on our personal expectations, the way that we imagine this holiday season going for us on a personal level. And today we're gonna shift our focus to the social aspect. Social expectations govern how we assume the world is going to interact with us. It's how we expect to be treated by other people, and it's how we imagine that the events and the things we're involved in will turn out. And so what has quickly become one of my favorite holiday movies is just like a case study in social expectations, and it's the movie Elf. So if you haven't seen the movie Elf, Will Ferrell plays Buddy the Elf, And eventually, Buddy discovers that he isn't actually an elf. And when he learns this, he sets out on a mission to leave the North Pole, to go to New York City, so that he can find his real father. But the problem is that Buddy grew up in the North Pole where things are very different. And so when he gets to New York City, his behavior is far from normal. And every time it rains, it rains. Panties from heaven. Shoo-be-doo-be. Don't you know each cloud contains panties from heaven? Shoo-be-doo-be. You'll find your fortune falling all over town. Be shining your umbrella. It's up, 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 upside down. And trade them for a package of sunshine and ravioli. Macaroni. If you want the thing you love. You did it. Congratulations! World's best cup of coffee. Great job, everybody. It's great to meet you. Hi. Now come over here, boy. Sam. And every time it rains, it rains. And don't you know it's confident? So Buddy pretty much spends the entire movie breaking everyone's social expectations of how he should be acting. And eventually, if you've seen it, Buddy does find his biological dad, a very successful businessman. And Buddy has been dreaming about this moment. He's going to meet his dad, and they're going to throw their arms around each other, and his dad is going to tell him how much he missed him, and they're going to catch up on their lives. 
But unfortunately, that's not what happens. He finds his dad, and his dad wants nothing to do with this newfound, grown-up son. You see, Buddy had built this social expectation that his dad was going to love him as much as he loved his dad, but that expectation was quickly broken. Now, for us, social expectations are just an inherent part of our own stories. As hard as we try, we can't help but imagine how our lives are going to go. And during Christmas time, it seems like there's a heightened awareness of these social expectations. So I don't know about you guys, but starting around this time of year, my Facebook is blown up with brand new engagement pictures. And my mailbox is stuffed with Christmas cards of the perfect family pictures. And on Instagram, it's nothing but these perfectly filtered pictures of Christmas decorations. And it's great, but these things create social expectations. And at some level, we have to know that it gives. At some level, we have to know that there's more to these social expectations. That for every perfect news feed, that there are dozens of people who are lonely and unhappy during this time of year. That for every perfect Instagram post, that there's a single mom who can't quite afford presents for her kids. And don't even get me started on family pictures because we take family pictures. And I know that leading up to that one second, that beautiful second where everyone's eyes are opened and everyone's smiling, that there's like three hours of getting the kids ready and there's 20 arguments about what pose you should take and there's someone who makes the vow, we're never taking Christmas pictures again. Oh yeah, that's just my family, okay, perfect. All of these things are built on social expectations. And so what happens, year after year, Christmas rolls around and we sign up for the pictures and we post on our social media to try to make our lives seem great. We go into debt or we strategically leave some of the bills unpaid so that we can keep up with our neighbors and keep up with all of these social expectations. But as we saw last week, expectations have this tendency to get broken. And when they do, they can take what is supposed to be the most joyous time of the year and turn it into a time of misery and depression. And so I wonder this year what kind of broken social expectations you might be dealing with this Christmas. Perhaps some of you are living with father or mother wounds from when you were a child or there's resentment amongst your siblings. Maybe you're struggling to find work or to provide for your children. Maybe you're just lonely or you're bitter, you're unhappy or you're addicted. You know, this may seem like the hardest Christmas that you've ever been through. Like you're in this crazy uphill battle and nothing that you do seems to be working. And so here's the question for us today. Is there a way that we can live an amazing Christmas story in spite of our broken social expectations? And so last week, we began to look at the real original Christmas story over 2,000 years ago. But what we're not doing is we're not looking at the story from 2,000 years later, the story that's been cleaned up and sterilized and packaged where we can put it on a Hallmark card or sell it on a Walmart shelf. We're looking at what really happened so long ago. And so last week we started in the Gospel of Luke. Now Luke is a historical narrative of the life of Jesus and today we're gonna pick up in chapter two. 
It says that in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So this is the Christmas story. But the danger is that we've heard this story too many times. We've read the book and we've seen the movie and we own the lawn ornaments and we can become so far removed from what actually happened 2,000 years ago that it loses some of its power. And so to help fix that for us today, I want all of us to take Mary's perspective of this first Christmas. I wanna ask all of you, you in the video cafe and watching online, everyone in the room, I wanna ask you to put yourself in Mary's shoes. Now remember, Mary had become miraculously pregnant, which means that she was pregnant, but the baby was not Joseph's, who was her fiance. And 2,000 years ago at that place in the world, that was an offense punishable by death and was obviously a huge broken social expectation. And so to add to that, a census had been called. And so Joseph and Mary were gonna have to travel back to Joseph's hometown of Bethlehem, a, a travel of over 100 miles uphill the entire way. Now the reason they were having to do a census is that Mary and Joseph were Jewish. And the Jews at that time were under the rule and the oppression of the Roman Empire. And so you have to remember that as an entire population, as an entire people group, the Jews were living with a broken social expectation because of the oppression by Rome. And so Rome had all of the Jews go back to their hometown to count them all, to make sure that everyone was paying enough taxes to Rome. This was not a trip anyone would have been looking forward to, but it was one that they had to go on. And so to recap, Mary had to go on a trip 100 miles, literally uphill the entire way, pregnant in her last months on a donkey. This is a terrible, terrible trip. Now to be transparent with you guys, as a stepdad and now adopting our next child, unfortunately, I missed out on all the fun of traveling with a pregnant wife. One of my deepest regrets. And so the only like, context I have is when I was in college, I went on about an hour-long minivan ride with my friend and his wife, who was in her last trimester, and I was blown away. The constant pit stops, the motion sickness, the irritability, the want, no, the need for puffy Cheetos. It was an intense ride, and so I can't even imagine how Mary felt on this long, dangerous journey. And then they get to town, and Joseph goes to check in at the local hotel, and there's no vacancy. And you know, the Bible doesn't tell us about the conversation when Joseph had to go back to the donkey and explain to Mary that he forgot to make reservations. <laughs> but I'm assuming it did not go well. And so perhaps you've heard the rest of the story. Instead of staying in, in a hotel or in an inn, 
they stayed in a barn. And they slept on hay, and they were surrounded by dirty, smelly animals. And so, of course, it was at that place, in the worst possible setting, the worst timing with all of their broken social expectations already mounting, that Mary went into labor. And remember, we're looking at this story from Mary's perspective today, and so I have to wonder if Mary thought back to when the angel Gabriel came to her and announced that she would get pregnant. If you remember the story, Gabriel had told her that her son was going to be royalty. He had promised her that this new baby boy would sit on the throne of King David. And so what was that? Was it a lie? I mean, shouldn't have God intervened at some point in the last nine months? Shouldn't Mary be having this baby in the safety of a palace somewhere? But no. It was there in a dark, germ-infested, smelly barn. That was going to be the setting for the arrival of the Savior of the world. And so Jesus came and Mary lovingly swaddled him in cloths and, and she laid Jesus in a feeding trough because the world had not made room for its own creator. And this isn't what we're talking about today, but I feel like I have to tell you, if you struggle believing whether or not Jesus absolutely loves you, then I want you to picture him leaving a heavenly throne of perfection and coming down and being born in the most humble of circumstances for you. And that is the reason why we look back on this story and we celebrate it because we know with 2,000 years of perspective that this was the greatest moment in history, that this is when the world changed. And for those of us who have believed in Jesus, it's what gave our lives a chance to be changed. But, but Mary didn't know any of that yet. And so the question is, could Mary find the perspective to realize that she was actually living in the most amazing Christmas story of all time. And so let's go back into Luke. The very next verse, verse eight, says that there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And so the shepherds heard that and they left their sheep and they went looking for Jesus. But again, we're in Mary's shoes and Mary didn't have a Bible to read, and she hadn't seen the movie, and she had no idea that there was already a gathering of angels bragging about her new son to a group of shepherds. All that she knew was that she was lonely, and she was scared and confused, and she was in a dark, smelly barn with her brand new baby. And then out of nowhere, the shepherds found her. But they weren't looking for Mary and they weren't looking for Joseph. The shepherds were looking for Jesus. 
And in that moment with all of Mary's broken expectations and in the worst possible setting and with the worst possible timing, the shepherds bowed down and they worshiped Jesus. They worshiped the king in the feeding trough. And Luke tells us that Mary treasured up all these things and she pondered them in her heart. She treasured all these things and she pondered them in her heart. Mary got a new perspective. This doesn't mean that Mary understood everything she was going through. She didn't, she didn't realize that her son was gonna grow up and live a perfect life or perform all of these amazing miracles. She certainly didn't anticipate watching her son die on a cross someday. But in that moment and in that barn, Mary received the shepherd's perspective. So instead of focusing on all the things that she couldn't control, all of the broken expectations, instead she hung on to the hope that what the angel had told her was true, that God had a plan for her life and that perhaps she was living in the most incredible Christmas story there ever was. And so what does this mean for our lives? You know, I love you guys too much to not just be real with you and tell you that most of the things that take place inside your social expectations are absolutely outside of your control. When your life isn't going the way that you imagined it would go, there's often very little that you can do about it. But what you can do is you can find your own unique shepherd's perspective. Now, a shepherd's perspective doesn't magically change all the things that are going wrong in your life, but it does allow you to rise above your broken expectations and to live an amazing story anyway. You see, ultimately, a shepherd's perspective is about trusting God through your difficult circumstances this Christmas. See, the power wasn't in the shepherds themselves. It was in the affirmation they brought Mary that God had a plan for her life. And it gave Mary the opportunity to trust that God being in control was better for her story than even her own expectations. And so, this Christmas, you have an opportunity to live an amazing story in spite of anything you may be going through in your personal life or in your social life. Whatever broken expectations you're living with can be overcome, but it may be difficult if you can't find that unique shepherd's perspective to help you trust that God has a better plan. And so today, we wanted to give you guys an opportunity not only to get a shepherd's perspective, but also to give one to someone else. That's what being the church is all about. And so today, when you came in, you were given a small card that looked something like this, and you were given a pin. So I want to ask you to go ahead and to get both of those things out. And so here's what we're going to do. Over the next few minutes, I want to ask you to write a note of encouragement for this holiday season. This isn't specific to anyone. Don't put a name or an address on it. Don't put your social security number on there. We're just gonna, we're gonna write a simple note. Maybe it's a few sentences. Maybe it's just a couple of words. Something that you would find encouraging during this holiday season that is often so difficult for people. And what we're gonna do is here in a few minutes, we're gonna come and we're gonna collect all of these cards. 
And on your way out, what's gonna be seemingly random, we're going to hand out these cards to every person in the room. And so every person will have written and will have gotten a shepherd's perspective. Now I wanna talk to the people who have personalities like my own, and in your mind right now, you're saying, I'm not doing this. (laughs) This seems cheesy to you, and you're not into all this touchy-feely stuff, and I get it. Write a card anyway. I'm asking you to write a card anyway. Because you don't know. What you write may be the shepherd's perspective that absolutely changes somebody's story this Christmas. And so I'm asking everyone, if they would, to write down a shepherd's perspective for someone else. Now for our church family who watches online, we want to encourage you to participate as well. Just find any piece of paper, any pen, you can write down an encouraging note and give it to someone in your life that you believe might need a shepherd's perspective during this time of year. And so as I was putting this talk together, I had to wonder what would happen if we were really able to grab onto a shepherd's perspective this holiday season if the thousands of unique stories that are represented here at City Church really were able to rise above any of our broken expectations, what that would look like. You know, I believe that our families would experience greater joy than they ever have, that our neighbors and the people that we're in community with would find hope for their own difficult holiday situations, that this church and our community, our movement of people could be a beacon of light into a world that so often brings darkness into people's Christmas stories. And so I wanted to end by giving you a few practical ways to help you find your shepherd's perspective. We're gonna start by everyone getting one on a card on their way out. But there's some other ways that you can do this. You could maybe just be as simple as starting every morning off for the rest of this holiday season in prayer. Just spending some time alone with God, aligning your heart with his. Now, if you're thinking, I don't know how to pray, that's fine. Just spend some time being honest with God, sharing your thoughts and feelings, and then spend some time listening and asking God if he will speak to you. There are some other ways to find your shepherd's perspective. For some of you, you simply need to surround yourself with better people. If you are surrounding yourself with people who are constantly bringing you down, then for at least this season, I want you to consider creating some separation and surrounding yourself with people who build you up. You know, to find your shepherd's perspective, oftentimes we can go and find work to do for others. You can find someone to serve this season. You can volunteer at Strong Foundation or Haven for Hope. You can pass out meals to the less fortunate or do a jacket drive in your neighborhood. When we become God to our community, it does bring us into rhythm with him. And the last thing is, come to church. This is why the church exists, so that we can provide each other with a shepherd's perspective. Think about it. At church, we come and we pray and we worship and we read scripture. We surround ourselves with other people who are trying their hardest to live a better and positive story. We serve people through social initiatives and by learning to love the people around us. The church is here to provide that shepherd's perspective. And I have to tell you, it was a beautiful thing to watch you guys write those cards. 
I could tell that you thought it through, that you really know that your words and your actions can affect other people's lives. That's why the church exists. It's why we come to this place, to give each other an opportunity to trust that God's plan for our story is better than even our own expectations. This Christmas, if you can find your own unique shepherd's perspective, you can live an amazing Christmas story. Let me pray for you guys. God, we thank you for loving us. I thank you again that the first Christmas was messy and it was hard. God, that maybe it mirrored our own lives closer than we think. And yet Jesus came and he came to prove how much you love us. And so God, no matter what we're facing, no matter the difficulty of our broken expectations, I pray that we can find that perspective to trust you more than even how we've imagined the season to go. God, I pray over the cards that were written, God, that the perfect ones land in the perfect hands to give us that perspective we need. God, I thank you for City Church, a place where we can come and encourage each other and to help each other live better lives. And so I pray that you bless every person in here and their families that are represented. We love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.